We love to have fun here at K2. K2. We enjoy having fun together. We enjoy having fun here Sunday mornings. And I, I love having fun. Anybody else with me who loves having fun? Okay, there's five that don't. Okay, uh, you're, in the, you're in, the, in the right place. I, I enjoy having fun. Actually, I really enjoy telling jokes. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, and it might this morning, but hey, here we go. <laughs> I apologize in advance. All right, what do Australia and the United States of America have in common? Oh, I didn't hear it right, but that wasn't it. English. Besides English, what do Australia and the United States have in common? They were both founded by people with convictions. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now that got more laughs than my joke. Do, do I need to explain the joke? I guess jokes don't work if you have to explain them, do you? Right. Uh, anybody from France here? Okay, good. My wife is coming later. Then I can tell these jokes. As a German married to a French, I have a whole barrage of French jokes. Um, and I can get away with them. I just pay for them later. Um, so how many Frenchmen does it take to defend Paris? A lot of shrugging of shoulders. That's right. Nobody knows. It's never happened. <laughs> Thank you. But we shouldn't joke about the French. They raised their terror alert yesterday. Did you hear about that? It, yeah, it went from run to hide. Um, <laughs> the only higher elevations are surrender and corroboration. And... Uh, and this was all precipitated by a fire that destroyed France's biggest white flag company, completely disabling their military. <laughs> so, come on. Whoa, where are you? Oh. All right. Well, let's, 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 let's get serious. You know, there is, there is... Oh, my wife just showed up. I love you, honey. Anyway, you know, I grew up in a Christian tradition where literally when you came to church, you had to leave humor at the door. I mean, you lit literally had to check it in. Um, anything that, that was considered fun had no place in church, had no place in, in spirituality. Everything was somber and, and boring, always serious. Literally, the, the church that I grew up in in the first three years of my life, now they love Jesus, there's no doubt about that. But literally, you would come in, and you would walk into, and the minute you would walk into the, the sanctuary, I mean, your face would go. I, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Seriously. Sit down and you just. Men on one side, women on the other, because holding your wife's hand could be fun. Seriously, I'm not joking. There were no instruments. We would sing choruses or, or, or hymns in harmony without instruments, because instruments would make it better or fun no instruments it was everything was serious and somber and then you know those movies about jesus and his life don't help do they you have this jesus who is always serious always very timid he wears a bathrobe and has blow-dried hair and and he's blonde and blue-eyed and uh, he lives in the middle east so you have a stoic scandinavian in the middle east and so, but you see, this all, that all painted a picture. It paints a picture of what Christianity is about and, and what being a follower of Jesus is like. Again, in my church, fun in connection with... You know, we had lots of fun outside of church, but in connection with church and spirituality was literally forbidden. Having fun at church or telling jokes like this morning would be considered sacrilegious. And then a lot of stuff that, that I considered fun like sports or movies or dancing, 
they were even disallowed outside of the church. I mean, that just, it wasn't spiritual. Sports isn't spiritual and a passion for soccer or, or dancing or going to the movies wasn't spiritual. And if it wasn't spiritual, it just shouldn't be part of your life. I remember in eighth grade once I snuck out the house with a costume tucked in my backpack to go to a school-sponsored costume dance with, for my class. And boy, I, it, I got found out. It wasn't pretty. You know, I, 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 let me just say, I love my parents. My mom watches these podcasts all the time, so I've got to be careful. I love my parents. And my parents pointed me in the right direction. They introduced me to Jesus. But I really think that, that when it came to the area of, of fun and passion and enjoyment, that something sometimes got missed. And I think there's actually a theology of fun and enjoyment. And we want to talk about that this morning. What would it look like if we were all enjoying? You know, with some people, it goes so far that they think that God would never want anything good for them. I remember teaching at a Bible school um, for a couple of years in Sweden. It was an English-speaking Bible school. And a, a guy came to me once, and, and we were talk, talking about his future, and he needed to make decisions about his career. And he sat down with me and said, Christian, my whole life I've wanted to become a pilot. My whole life. But if that's what I have wanted all my life, that can't be what God wants for me. See, he thought that pursuing a passion that he had deep inside and a desire was in itself unspiritual because it would, be, it would be selfish or God couldn't want what I've wanted all my life. That to him, that was not reconcilable. And some guys, men, you know, shy away from, from saying, God, you know, who do you want me to marry out of that same fear? Because they think God's going to say, oh, finally, there's somebody. I've got one over here that I haven't been able to, to get to everybody, so, to anybody. So now I've got somebody who's willing. You get her. You know? Sometimes we have this, this thing that what, when, when I really surrender to God, when I really give him my life and, and ask him to lead me, he's going to lead me purely into misery and things I wouldn't want and wouldn't enjoy. And I don't think it could be further from the truth. The Bible is full of references that tell us to, and encourage us to have fun, to enjoy life. There's over 200 references throughout Scripture that talk about having joy and enjoying things, enjoying life and the things that God surrounds us with. In fact, God gave the people of Israel in the Old Testament, he gave them a whole series of parties to have, a whole series of celebrations to have, mostly remembering what he had done for them at different times. But he told them, have a party, remember, but celebrate, have fun. God, in fact, is the inventor of fun. If God is the creator of everything, including you and me, then he has created us with the capacity to feel, to have pleasure, to enjoy, to have fun. That makes him the origin and the source of it. In fact, I think he created us with a need for fun and for laughter. Proverbs 17, 22 actually says, I'm going to paraphrase that, that a merry, a happy heart is like medicine. And that, um, oh, no, I forgot the reference. But, and that um, uh, bitterness in our hearts leads to dry bones. All right, so God wants us to have fun. In fact, medicine research actually shows us that that verse, it's true. That, that having fun, that laughter, you know, like you saw in that video. Wasn't that interesting how contagious that was? I mean, there was really no reason. There was no joke told, none of my cool jokes, you know. There was just people laughing at a camera. 
and you all joined in. It's contagious. It's like a disease almost, isn't it? And research shows us that laughing and having fun is actually healthy for us. It's good for us. I got this from helpguide.org, and it calls itself a trusted nonprofit resource. So we will trust this resource. It says, laughter relaxes the whole body. A good, hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes. So you should be good for the, next, for the remainder of this message, which I hope will be shorter than 45 minutes. Laughter also boosts the immune system. This is proven. Laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells. Right? Laughter also triggers the release of endorphins, the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Laughter protects the heart. Laughter improves the function of blood vessels and increases blood flow, which can help protect you against heart attack and other cardiovascular problems. Laughter is good for you. Laughter is necessary for us. And I think God actually likes it when we as Christians, when we as his followers have fun and when we laugh. Now, seriously, when was the last time you had a really hearty laugh from your tummy? Anybody in the last week? Maybe this morning already with one of my cool French jokes? <laughs> now, when, when you remember that laugh, isn't that, isn't, that just, isn't that just healthy? Doesn't it just feel good when you're done with that? Now, if you haven't had that kind of laugh in a while, I really hope that this will help. Have a look. There's a lot of new stuff in church, man. There's a lot of hand sanitizer in church. Anybody notice that? I don't know. At my church, they have these two hand sanitizer stations right by the front door greeters. That is not a good message. People come in on Sunday. How you doing? Nice to see you all. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. You're going to love it here. We just love people. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. We don't care. We don't judge you. We just love. You sit back, and whatever questions you have, you let us know. We'll let you know whatever we can do for you, okay? Y'all newly married? You got four kids? Four kids. That is amazing. God, love. we love kids here. Kids are like a little gift from God is what they are. They are just wonderful little creatures that God gives us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where y'all from? Arkansas? Okay. some mints in the basket. Grab a handful, you circus freaks. Go ahead. I do. I love being a believer. I love the Bible. The Bible is a book that we, it's just, it's just awesome. It's just intense, you know? And uh, for just so many of us try to take the Bible and we, we try to put it in a nice little family-friendly package with a bow. Here, kitties. Run off now. Come on, man. There's some beautiful stuff in the Bible. There's some stuff in there you got to admit. It's not what we can call family-friendly. Think about it. There's a reason you don't see some of those illustrations in the Precious Moments Bible. You don't see Cain and Abel in the Precious Moments. Isn't that precious? So I'll never understand parents who will paint Noah's Ark on their kids, little kids' bedroom walls. It doesn't make sense. Noah's Ark's a great story, but it's just out there, man. It's like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm painting Noah's Ark on your wall, sweetheart. My favorite story. You know where God sends a worldwide flood to kill every living thing? Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Hey, get, grab a brush and paint some screaming people on that rock for me just to make it real. It's going to be great. Look in the baby's room. I painted the stoning of Stephen. You're going to love that. 
Those birds? No, those are locusts coming to kill you. That's what <laughs> A lot of people get freaked out at church. I don't. I love doing comedy in churches, man. I do comedy for all kinds of denominations, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, <laughs> Lutheran, non-denominational, non-denominational, they don't know what they are, non-denominational, you're not fooling anybody, this means you're a Baptist church with a cool website, that's all that means right there, that's all that means, that's all it is. <laughs> non-denominational Probably have a cool Christian coffee house That you know non-denominational <laughs> The name like Holy Grounds <laughs> Jehovah Java <laughs> Hebrews Seriously, folks, if you can't laugh at yourself, come on. <laughs> laugh at other people. That's what I say, seriously. That's in the Bible. Look it up. That's in the scriptures. That's in the Message Bible. <laughs> well, I love that Message Bible. That is a laid-back Bible, isn't it? I thought the Living Bible was laid-back. That Message Bible is like, what is this? The recipe for Rice Krispie Treats. What is The part of Joseph is being played by Johnny Depp. This is awesome. <laughs> and Jesus changes the water into wine coolers. That is amazing. Because that speaks to me. That's where I am. And the bottle turns blue when it's cold enough to drink. I love the Method Bible. I love it. Ah. Uh. Man, that guy's funny. I know you'd rather listen to him than me now, but... You know, every church is different. Every church values different things. And that's part of the beauty of being a young church. And, and Dave and others, having planted this church, you kind of get to shape who you think God wants you to be as a church. And these are, these are the values that we've talked about and that we have established as a church because we feel the Bible values them. It's receiving, receiving from God, becoming. There's another one, becoming who God wants you to be, following Jesus, connecting with each other, partnering with God and with each other, giving ourselves, giving our lives away, sacrificing, multiplying, and enjoying. Enjoying God and enjoying each other is our value. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I have a real need to have fun. I have a real need to enjoy my life with others. And for us, the value actually goes so far that when we, as a, as a leadership, looking at, at hiring somebody to work at this church, one of the questions that we ask ourselves, besides, you know, do they follow Jesus and, and, uh, and so on, are they qualified, is, man, would, would we want to hang out with them? Would we want to have fun together? Would we really enjoy doing life together? And it's really important. I think it's important for the chemistry um, even of, of our leadership team. It's a value for us. It's a fact that life is hard. Isn't that a fact? I meet with many of you throughout the weeks. And more often than not, actually I would say 99% of the time, it's because life is hard. Life is hard and there's a lot of pain and living in this world comes with a lot of trouble and responsibilities weigh heavy, don't they? And sometimes we just 
take ourselves too seriously in that process. I want to read you a verse from Ecclesiastes, a book where Solomon just wrestled with life and with the, with the um, opposites the, of life. And this is what he said in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's time for everything. It's not, what we want to talk about this morning, it's not that, that life should always be fun and easy. That's just not true with reality, is it? But we're convinced that God wants us to enjoy him and that he wants us to enjoy life and life together. Our hope here at K2 is first and foremost that anyone that comes here would get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's our number one hope. That's why we want to be focused. We want to be focused on Jesus so that we can know his father, that we can know God. Secondly, we want to love each other into an amazing community. Out of our loving Jesus and, and, and knowing God, we want to have community with each other. We talked about that last week. We want to be tight. And then thirdly, we want to build a community that changes the world around us, starting right here with our families, our neighborhoods, our communities, our city, our state. We want to change the world. We want to be out there. We want to be focused, tight, and out there. And in the process, we want to have a lot of fun together. And we want to have fun being focused, tight, and out there. It's a value so much that we actually build it into our Sunday morning. And I just want to, again, ask you to watch the screen. Here are just some of the, the moments, the memories of K2, where we just had a lot of fun here together. So watch these videos of K2 moments. Well, good morning. Morning. And thank you for joining us for this mandatory exploration of church history. That's right. I'm Mr. Marty Culp. And I'm Mrs. Bobby Mohan Culp. Today you're in for a special treat as we drop a little knowledge on a topic we all just can't get enough of. Church history. Right. We've got the 411 on the past 2,000 years. And just so you know, we're not pastors in the traditional no, sense. No, no, we're not. But we are Ministers of Funk. Word. We're out in the streets today. We're uh, trying to get Ken a date. Woo! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Awesome! There's a back row lover who's always undercover because he doesn't even know how to pray. This program has it all. It's got all the technical goods. It's got fantastic choreography, musicality, personality. My favorite part of this reunion has got to be seeing that you two lovebirds are still together and happy. That must be nice. <laughs> Romance for me is just another Friday night cleaning out the kitty litter box, nuking a hot pocket, and going back in time with Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> <laughs> People say every time, they're always asking me, 
beauty. It's only skin deep. And I say, yeah. I mean, like, you got a great point. Jesus, if he was alive, would he, would he get his hair highlighted? Would he go tanning? And I say, well, sure. He was the light of the world, the son of God. If you're going to hang out with the sun, you're going to get a little bit of a glow. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you're wearing reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Could you stop talking? Cause I'm trying to watch the game. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are things you don't say to your wife. What time should me and my mom come and pick you up? Okay. Thanks, guys. Mom. Thanks. Oh, what? What? You're going to bring your mom on a date. Well, she drives, dude. <sighs> okay. Shoot! I was so close. Whether you're Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterian, we're all under the same church umbrella. No, it's raining more than ever. to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Three years in March. Wow. I've been here since the beginning, so... <laughs> a little bit longer than the two of you, so... I was actually part of the original 45, so... I moved here first before Dave Nelson, so... Come on, there's, there's a whole suburban full of Park City babes down here, too. Let, come on, let's go. No, no, what? Muchacho, no! We gotta go. Run! Let's get out of here. Run! Hey, can you move your hand down? No, seriously, just move it down. Oh, that's so much better. Thank you. You sex a thing, sex a thing, you. I believe in miracles. Well, as I said, we love to have fun here at K2. It's a value. And fun, the definition of fun in Webster's is actually, it says it's a source of enjoyment, amusement, or pleasure. A source of amusement or pleasure. And here's what First Timothy says. First Timothy 6:17 It says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And Psalm 16:11 says, "You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand." So if the definition of fun is a source of enjoyment, amusement or pleasure, and Timothy tells us that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And just, just think of where we get to live here. Get to think of, of what you get to see when you turn around outside and you look outside, you look at these mountains and you look at all the possibilities we have here and you read Timothy, 
God gave it to us. He provided it for our enjoyment. He fills us with joy in his presence, with eternal pleasures at his right hand. You know, if that is true, then God is the origin and source of enjoyment for you and me. Then God is fun. And us being made in his image means we reflect his character to the world around us. And that's why I think it's actually a sin to bore people with the gospel. I am serious. I think it's a sin to bore people with the Bible. Because we misrepresent God. The definition of enjoying is to receive pleasure or satisfaction from something. To receive pleasure. And that's our first value here at K2 is receiving from God. Right? So we, as we receive from God, we enjoy him. And that's what I want to talk about next is that God wants us to enjoy him first and foremost. God wants you and me to enjoy him. And I just tell you, that was not part of my theology for the first 20 years of my life. Enjoying God just wasn't even a concept for me. You followed and you feared God. Now, we're, we're supposed to do that. We are supposed to follow him and to fear him. But we're also supposed to enjoy him in our life. This is what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. And this is probably the only time you'll ever hear that at K2. The Shorter Westminster Catechism is a, is a statement of faith. And it's really profound. This is what it says. The chief end of man, right? The chief end of man and woman, that means that the purpose of your life and my life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose, to glorify him because we follow him, we praise him, we worship him, and we enjoy him forever. And so my question was, as I looked at this, is how do we actually enjoy God? How do you enjoy God? How do I enjoy God? I think one way that we enjoy him is we get to know him. We get to know him. I think that's how we enjoy each other. We get to know each other. We give each other a chance to really know who is that person behind that mask. Who are you? And I'm convinced that if we really know each other, where we're really authentic and true with each other, we will enjoy each other. And the more we know each other, the more we will enjoy each other. We need to know him because he is our creator and he's the creator of our capacity for enjoyment and fun. He's the one who gives us, Timothy said, the things to enjoy, people and circumstances. He's the one who designed life, and he knows what produces joy in your life and in my life. And he gives us specific passions that we pursue for our enjoyment and fulfillment, submitted to him. Another way that we enjoy him, I think the scripture tells us, is that we delight in him. That's part of knowing him, delighting in him. This is what Psalm 37, 4 says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that interesting? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I looked up that word delight. I thought, what does, what does it really mean to delight in God? You know what that word means? It means luxuriously indulging in something. Isn't that cool? Luxuriously, lavishly, more than you could ever need. Indulging in something. And we're supposed to do that in God. We're supposed to luxuriously indulge in God. 
Several months ago, I used the expression of, of diving into something completely, jumping in and being completely enveloped with it. That's kind of the picture. Indulge in God. That means really engaging with him, fully engaging, letting go and allowing him to, to, to shower his love on you. And the result of, of completely indulging and absorbing God into your life will result that he will give you the desires of your heart. Because the more you know him, the more you allow him into your life, the more your desires will align with his desires. And what better thing could we do than to align our desires with the one who made you and knows what's good for you and knows his plans for you? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 90 verse 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. See, God wants us to enjoy him and he wants to give us joy. He wants to be the source of our joy. So we delight in him. We need to know him. We need to dive in and, and, and really allow him into our lives. And then another way we enjoy God is that we come and receive from him. Isaiah 55 verses 2 and 3 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, God says. He says, listen twice. I think that means we're supposed to listen. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Your soul may live. God wants us to receive from him, to receive from him fully, receive from him the purpose in our life and direction in our life. And I was telling you, I can't imagine experiencing joy unless I have purpose and direction in my life. And that's what God wants to give. And then the other side of enjoying God, after knowing him and receiving from him, is our giving ourselves back to him fully. Romans 12, 1 verse 2. These are some of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, we are supposed to give ourselves fully to God. If we really want to enjoy God, it can't just be a one-way road. It's not just him giving, giving. It's, it's our giving of ourselves in return fully to him. And the result is that we will know his perfect and pleasing, <laughs> pleasing will, pleasing to us. The result is us knowing what God wants for you and for me, his purpose for your life. And it warns us, this, this passage warns us about the patterns of this world. And I just want to give a word of caution in our pursuit of joy and fun, which I think is okay and is good, but it's only good in perspective. 
And he cautions us here about the patterns of this world. And one pattern that I think is, is clearly, undeniably present in our culture, in our world, is that the world we live in seeks pleasure wherever we can find it and at all costs. Doesn't it? I mean, all over. This morning, on my way here, I stopped at 7-Eleven to have a coffee. Sorry, honey. Um, she doesn't like me drinking coffee. But I, I, I stopped because they weren't ready here. And they had a camel cigarette advertisement and said, come enjoy. <laughs> come enjoy death. <laughs> but everything is about enjoyment. It's, it's about, you know, you get a bag of chips and it says on the back, get your own bag. <laughs> Saying, this is for me to enjoy, not for you. Everywhere we go, we're encouraged to seek pleasures wherever we can find them. And that that's okay. Don't we? We're bombarded with that all over. In the media, in in advertising. But here's what the Bible has to say about that. Proverbs 21.17 says, He who loves pleasure will become poor. He who loves pleasure will become poor. Now, you, you might think, oh, wait a second, you're, you're contradicting yourself. Yeah, we love having fun, right? What it's talking about, the love it's talking about here is love over and above everything else. If we love pleasure over and everything else, we will become poor. And isn't that true? If you look at our culture and the, and the, the cultural disease of being in debt, because we, we, we spend everything we have on, on pleasures that we seek and feel we deserve... 2 Timothy 3, 4. And I'm, I know I'm, I'm giving you a lot of Bible verses, but bear with me. 2 Timothy 3, 4. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Same thing. Loving pleasure isn't bad in itself and love having fun. But if it's loved above God, if it takes priority above our relationship and submission to God... It becomes dangerous. Titus 3.3 3 says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And isn't that the danger? Really, the enslavement to pleasures? When it's, it controls our actions, when it controls our thoughts and decision making? There's a danger there. We've got to keep this in balance. Pleasure is from God. Pleasure was created and given by God and the, and the ability to experience it. The problem is when pleasure replaces God. When pleasure and, and our pursuit of fun and, and, and happiness supersedes God and takes priority over him. That's where the danger comes in. We need to love God, not pleasure. We need to love God way above pleasure. Here are some of the, the pleasures that God has given us, given us for our enjoyment that have been so corrupted. Sexuality is one of them. Sex is a great gift from God, one that he's, he's given us. You know, procreating could have been very technical and mechanical, but he's, he's made it fun. He's given it as a gift. But outside of God's design in Scripture, outside of the design of a man and a woman in the confines of marriage, it causes more harm than good. And it hurts. It hurts usually more than just the people involved. In fact, it can get addictive. And again, anything that's addictive, that's that enslavement to pleasure over God. And that can happen with any pursuit of pleasure. Oftentimes in the context of, of sex being abused in that way is that others get used for our own pleasure. 
and it can even turn into abuse. Another source of pleasure for me is food. Anyone with me? Food? Is food good? Oh, I love food. I'm already looking forward to Costco samples today. <laughs> I call it K3. <laughs> but you know what? Food is great. And food is comfort sometimes, right? At certain times of the year, it's just, man, and it's, it's all about food, Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, and thanks, God. But you know what? Food is good. Gluttony and obesity is not. It's not okay if that takes priority over God. I think that's why God sometimes tells us in Scripture to fast. It's not about losing weight. It's about saying, God, you are more important than food. See, God knew food, something as simple as food, would have the capacity of being more important than him. And so he tells us, yeah, it's good for you to fast once in a while, just to show God you're number one. Not in and out. Or five guys. Or big highest age burger. Oh, I know some of those. We need to eat to live. We don't live to eat. And then there's a whole barrage of other things. There's sports. There's music. There's nature, recreation, achievements. All of those are good. And all of those can be a source of enjoyment. And all of those can be used by God in your life to give you joy and fulfillment. But all of those have the capacity to become more important than he does. One area for me is sports. I'm just going to tell you, I have got to be so careful in the fall to not let what 18-year-olds do with the ball determine my mood for a couple of days. <laughs> Seriously, that's just a reality. I have got to be careful with that. When I started my, my weight loss program last, last spring, pretty much a year ago, it started all good. I wanted to get healthy. I wanted to look good for my wife. And but you know what? It turned. I, at some point, there came a point where I realized, oh my gosh, this has gotten too important to me. My whole day centers around when am I going to go to the gym? When am I going to go to the gym? Not when am I going to spend time with God? When am I going to spend time with God? And I had to take a serious look, look at that and make adjustments. See, this is, we all have that capacity. And there's things in our life. It might be a different one for you. It might be music. It might be recreation. It might be your career, which are all good in itself. But we've got to be careful to keep things in perspective. I want to ask Sarah White to come up for a second to um, share briefly, and we're way behind Sarah, so I can't give you the promised seven minutes. Um, you know, I think we're good. Thank you. We're good. You shut me off. No. <laughs> All right. Is, it, is yours on? Hello? Yes. Is, is it? it on? Is it on? Good. Okay. Sarah, tell us a little bit of, of your passion. What gives you joy outside of God and your husband? Yeah. Um, basically, for me, my biggest passion is sport, kind of like you, and mainly endurance sports such as cycling, running, and triathlons. Okay. So, and it has been for a while, right? Oh, yeah. It's been since high school. I was always a runner and I played soccer and things. Um, but it hasn't always been something that I saw as an outlet to worship God and to honor God with. Um, in high school, um, my passion for sport was simply a way for me to gain something, whether it was to look good, to win, to get friends. Um, so my uh, passion for sport became really destructive because I wasn't focused on honoring God with it. I wanted to lift myself up. And so I developed an eating disorder for like four to five years um, 
just really had a very skewed perspective on things. And so it wasn't until I came to the University of Utah and ran on the track team there that um, through people in the Athletes in Action ministry and uh, FCA ministry that I really realized that, because I was starting to view this passion as a sin, kind of like what you're saying, because I was using it to destroy myself and I didn't even know it. So through them and through really um, having like a heart check with God, I realized, you know, this is a unique passion and talent and I really gotta I gotta honor God with it so, so how, how has your experience obviously you enjoy being on your bike you enjoy running mm-hmm. how has your experience of that changed having put put that passion into perspective and submitted it to God you know it's really this passion has totally changed my walk with Christ it really um through committing to, you know, God, if you want me to compete, if train and race, um, then this is my worship to you. And no longer was my goal, you know, to, to, to win something, to, to look good, whatever. It was simply whoever you put me with to train with, whoever I race with, you know, I pray for the people I compete with. It's just, it's, it's an amazing joy and freedom you get. It's really a freedom, you know, and so you, you often said that surrender is often feels like, oh, I'm giving up what I want, you know. But for me, it was total freedom. And I just, I, I don't know what I would do, you know. If I said no to competing and training right now, I know God would be really disappointed just because this is his way of using me to honor him right now. Awesome. So, Thank yeah. you so much. Would you give her a hand? Yeah, just put that over. So again, the pattern in this world is, you know, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, it's right. And that's just not always true. Sheryl Crow sings the song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, why are you so sad? You know, maybe it's because our passions aren't submitted to God, are not submitted to Jesus. Our desire for fun, our pleasures, and our passions are God-given. But they're only healthy if they're submitted to him. So God wants us to enjoy him, but God also wants us to enjoy life. You know, in John 10, 10, says Jesus came to give us life and to give us life to the full. Life to the full. And, and I can't imagine a life to the full without, without joy in it, without fun and, and enjoying the things that God has provided. And God has given us the ability to, to enjoy pleasures. He's given us five senses. Hasn't he? He's given us sight. To see and enjoy things, whether that's nature or art or just looking at my beautiful wife, is enjoyment. God's given us a sense of sight to acknowledge what's beautiful and what's good and to enjoy that. He's given us smell, which in that opening song we heard, that isn't always good. You know, and if you're in a room that's shared by five guys, it's not always a pleasant experience. But there's a beautiful experience of smell too, isn't there? One Christmas when the cookies start getting baked or the turkey is, is heating up in the oven and there's, there's so many memories attached to smell, aren't there? And a, and a nice cologne. There's enjoyment in smell. Taste. We've already talked about Costco samples. I'll see you there later. And then the sense of hearing. Think what a blessing our sense of hearing is, the enjoyment we get out of, out of hearing music. You know, if you have children who are, who are in music, just the joy you get, the enjoyment you get out of hearing them perform. Um, so much joy that we get from, from our sense of hearing, loving words from someone you care about. 
God has blessed us with that. And then there's the fifth sense of touch. I won't go there now. You know what I'm talking about. Touch is very powerful and, uh, and self-explanatory. He's given us laughter. He's given us the ability to laugh. We've talked about how that affects us. He's given us passions. And you see, when, the way I grew up, often passions were, were demonized. You know, passions that weren't directly connected to God were either unspiritual or at worst sinful. But I'm a strong believer that God has given us passions to pursue and to experience him through and to submit them to, uh, to him so that we can bless others with them. And I want to encourage you and really set you free, theologically, biblically, spiritually, set you free to pursue the passions that God has given you, if they're not immoral in and of themselves, because then the Bible is very clear about that. But pursue the passions and gifts that God has given you to enjoy them and for others to enjoy them through you. He's given us freedom. Sarah just talked about the freedom she experienced and and I can just tell you about the freedom that I experience in my relationship with God. The joy of being set free in a relationship with him and the love he gives us. You know, if we really know God, if we're enjoying him, if we're receiving from him, and through that enjoying the life that he's given us and the passions he's given us, I tell you that we can't but share those with others. There's no way we're not going to reciprocate those. I want to read you a quick story in closing about a guy called Tony Campolo. He's a well-known author and speaker in the evangelical Christian world. He's sometimes a little controversial. And um, this is a story of him going to Hawaii to speak at a conference. And the way he tells it, he checks into a hotel and tries to get some sleep. You know what? I don't need to read this. I'll just tell you. He gets to Hawaii. He wakes up at 3 in the morning because of jet lag. Can't sleep anymore. He's hungry. His stomach is growling. 3 in the morning in Honolulu. And he roams the streets and is looking for, for a joint to get some food. And he finds this grease spoon hole in the wall in some alley in Honolulu, Hawaii. And he goes in there. He sits at the bar. And all of a sudden loses appetite after he sees the way uh, things are treated there. So he just has a donut and coffee. And all of a sudden, a, a group of four ladies come into, the, into this establishment at three in the morning, very um, barely dressed. They were clearly prostitutes who, who called it a night and were done um, with the job and, and were just coming there to, to um, have a coffee or whatever. And he overheard a conversation between two of the prostitutes. Uh, well, one of them said to the other, yeah, tomorrow's my 39th birthday. And her colleague made fun of her and said, well, what do you want me to do? Get you a cake or what? You know? and, she, and, and the lady became a little defensive, said, no, no, it's just, it's just I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. And so Tony Campolo talks to the bartender and says, do these ladies come in here every day? He said, yeah, every night. And, and that lady who said it's her birthday, he said, oh, Agnes, yeah, she's here every night at three. Tony says, hey, what, what do you say we throw a birthday party for her tomorrow? And, and the bartender got all excited about the idea. He called his wife and they made plans and, and they spread the word among the prostitutes of Honolulu for the next day. At three o'clock, Tony Campolo shows up at this, at this hole in the wall. He brought decorations that he got at Zurchus or something. I don't know. Happy birthday, Agnes, and balloons. And, and, and the way he describes this, it says pretty much all the prostitutes of Honolulu cramped into that, into that little restaurant um, before Agnes got there. And when she did, everybody just broke out into a big happy birthday. And she was completely taken aback. She couldn't say a word. And then they, they brought out a birthday cake with 39 candles for her. And, 
and asked her to blow out the candles, and she, she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. She was just staring at this birthday cake. And then all of a sudden she asked, can, I, can we just not eat this? Can I just take this and take it home? And she took, in the middle of this, took this cake and walked out the door and walked down, brought it home and came back and they had a birthday. But she kept it because <laughs> it was the first time she had experienced somebody going out of their way for her to throw a party. And then in the end, the bartender asked Tony Campolo, let me see if I can find that. I want to read that quote to you. When he's finished, Harry, that's the bartender, leans over and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he says, hey, you never told me you was a preacher. Or in the process, Tony Campolo prayed for the party with a room full of prostitutes and says, you never told me you was a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to anyway? And in one of those moments when just the right words came, Tony answers him quietly. I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the bartender said, I don't believe that, but I would go to a church like that, he said. I would go to a church like that. And you know, I've got to be honest with you, K2 has not thrown a party for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> but I wish we had, and I wish we would. Because having fun is part of who we are. And, and having fun and bringing fun to other people is a way of showing love to God's people. One way, you know, Matthew 5.16 calls us a city on a hill. We don't put our light under a shelf. We don't hide our light. We want to show it. And part of that is showing the world that following Jesus and loving God does not mean we check fun at the door does not mean we, 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 we lose the ability to, to have fun and enjoy life together. And I just want to ask you in closing, and I want to ask the band to come up. Are you enjoying God? And I ask, again, I want to confess to you, for the first 20-something years of my life, that wasn't even a concept in my mind. But are you enjoying God? Because I know I am, sometimes more than at other times. And I want nothing more than for you to enjoy God in your life, to delight in him, to luxuriously lavish in him and soak him in so that you can enjoy the life he's given you. Did I call the band up? We're not singing anymore. The band isn't coming up, so I don't need to call the band up. <laughs> and you know, if you're not enjoying God, maybe it's because you don't really know him at that level yet. Maybe you don't know him well enough to really enjoy him. And then I hope and I want to invite you to keep coming here and seeking him. Seeking to know God better through his son here together with us. And one thing I can promise you that in that process, we are going to have a lot of fun together.